Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We are digging into the digital revolution and the amazing impact it's having on every facet of our lives. And somebody with a terrific uh, set of perspectives on this is our good friend, Sean Amirati, who's one of our monthly digital all-stars. Sean is a professor in the business school at Carnegie Mellon. He's a venture capitalist. He's a triathlete. Let's see what else. He's a, an author. He's a podcaster and a serial entrepreneur. Sean, welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. Thanks, Bob. It's great to be here. It's always fun to catch up. Yeah, um, Sean, so you get to see the world through, you know, some different lenses uh, in, in this sort of way. And I thought you have, uh, you know, a pretty interesting premise for today about the whole uh, notion of industry clouds, the big things that are going on there, and how those could change in some pretty profound ways over the next couple of years. Yeah, so, you know, I think it's an important step that you've taken to sort of break apart this these industry verticals and talk about revenue, growth rate, commitment, right? It's, it's, it's not just any one of those things, but in general, uh, what are the companies that are really leading this this industry by industry transformation. Uh, and when I looked over the list, you know, I, it was it was great because it was kind of one of these things where it's, I think things that a lot of us had intuited for a long time, but it's nice to have sort of a, a list to reflect on with, you know, with the exception of Amazon with some numbers that you can you can look at and, and sort of compare and contrast. So I think all of that is really helpful. That's, that's really interesting. I think it, it starts to really help us think about what's going on there. But as I was looking through the list, I thought like, if you fast forward two years from now, and you know, we're you're creating your industry cloud top ten list uh, two summers from now, one of the things I think that's going to be interesting is there may be names on that list that we don't think of as tech companies today. You know, everybody on your list today thinks that we would think of as a tech company and, and mostly an enterprise tech company. I mean, certainly in some cases like Google or, and Microsoft, they have consumer tech offerings as well, right? Amazon with like, but, but the point is like in general, we think of those as technology companies, right? And, and as, until Amazon's broken up, you've still got this, this Walmart attached to AWS that's going on there. But, but leaving all of that aside, we're just going to continue to say Amazon's going to get broken, split apart and, until it, at some point I will be right about this. It, hard to know when, but at some point I will be right about this. But, but anyways. Predictions over here, dates over here, don't put them together. Do not, do not look at both of those together, but at some, and man, we are going to take a victory lap when that happens. But, <laughs> but the point is like, when you look at those lists, you look at those lists and you say, okay, th these are technology companies, right? These are technology companies that have, figured out how to partner and, and work with industry to do it. Now, I think if you fast forward two years from now, what may be very interesting is there may be companies that we think of as, oh, those are industrial companies or, you know, you know, kind of conglomerates in different ways that have be that have come out with tech solutions across that. My my favorite example that we've talked about before is Optum, which is part of United Healthcare Group, right? United Healthcare Group is is one of the ten largest companies uh, in the U.S. today, uh, by revenue and by kind of all, all accounts. But within that multi-hundred billion dollar healthcare company, there's this hundred billion dollar software business inside of it called Optum. Now, a hundred billion dollars, if you go back to your 
to your Cloud Wars rankings, like that's a that's a meaningful that that would meaningfully stack them at least along the revenue perspective relative to their peers. It's not the same thing because they're all in healthcare, but there are examples of companies that could run that same playbook, but run it across a number of different verticals uh, that I think may end up on these lists in a couple of years. And I think that's interesting just from a, a list perspective, but it also talks a little bit about how this industrial digital transformation is is going to happen industry by industry. And so I, it was just kind of a, a fun thought exercise I ended up going on as I was I was kind of going through your your report that came out, I think, since the last time you and I had spoken. Yeah, John, it's, it's a wonderful idea. And I think that, um, right, you know, like in the original list, the Cloud Wars top 10, um, I, I keep a close eye on it. I'm wide open to moving the pieces around in there in the rankings, but those companies are pretty big, pretty well established in what they're doing for as fast as they're changing and moving, but the relative positions haven't changed much. I agree with you. I think the industry cloud top 10 has a great deal of potential for a lot of flux companies moving in and out and new ones coming in. And Sean, you know, part of the premise, I think, and I'm going to offer a little bit of a generalization here, but um, from several years ago when Mark Andreessen said software is eating the world. And then you'd hear companies say, every company is a digital company. Well, more and more you're hearing like every company's a software company. Yep. And Sachin Adela at his uh, keynote at the Build conference Microsoft had several weeks ago, he said in the last two years, non-technology companies have hired a significantly higher number, uh, larger number of developers than technology companies have. And he said, this has never happened before. And he said, the data indicate an, an unmistakable trend that now that gap will widen that every year, non-tech companies will hire more software developers than the tech companies. So if, if you accept the premise that every, soft, every company is a software company, what then do the software companies do when everybody else is a software company, right? So th this is gonna be a fascinating uh, play that's going to uh, unfold itself here, Sean. I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up. Yeah, and and it's going to, I think what you're going to see those companies start to do as well is start to add some of the other technology roles that complement those, those software, computer science, information systems type uh, undergrad and graduate students that they're recruiting today, right? So I, I definitely see that at Carnegie Mellon, right? We see more and more of these large, I don't mean this in a pejorative sense, but what you would kind of historically call legacy businesses coming in and competing aggressively for, for top talent. That is absolutely true. I think what will be very interesting along the trend that Satya talked about at the Build Conference is I suspect over the next 12 to 18 months, you're going to also see them come in and get very aggressive at hiring for positions like product management type roles. We have a, a program at CMU called the Masters of Science and Product Management, which is uh, I believe the first master's level joint CS and business degree to help students prepare to be a product manager. So it's kind of a, an MBA hybrid type program specifically for creating product managers. I think a lot of other schools will create programs like that. We certainly will not corner that market for the long term as, as, as one university. But what you're going to see, I think, is in the same way that a Ford or a or a GM or a General Electric comes in and hires a bunch of these engineers, they're going to hire people who have these kind of roles that you didn't see in industrial companies, but you have seen in technology companies, 
you know, these sort of product manager, product owners that are this bridge between customers and, and delivery and thinking about how you take a, a, a product oriented approach to that. And it's all, all part of sort of upscaling and rescaling um, the, the, the kind of talent that you're trying to drive against this, this transformation that they're going through. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's going to be really fun to watch. And if you're, if you're micro, if you're going to bet on somebody who would, who would sort of buck that trend and keep it primarily tech companies, it would be Microsoft, right? Because they've done such a nice job coming alongside these, these legacy businesses and saying, oh, Kroger, don't build, you know, the, the Kroger grocery app built, you know, build it in collaboration with Microsoft and we'll make the business model transform to work, to work for you as well. So that there are things that I think are, are counterwinds there as well, but what's going to be really interesting is some of these places. I think the, the only way you scale that up and the only way you really have that impact is if these companies, you know, live on the same margins and the same growth rates and the same scalability that, that software-like revenue can deliver. And the first step is certainly building the product, but then you've got all the kind of product management and go-to-market skills that I think you're gonna see these companies need to add as well. Sean, I have to say that, um, you know, uh, the other day we held our first industry cloud battleground and we had seven of the big companies in there. Each was given 20 minutes to answer five questions, primarily about how they engage with customers, customer priorities, those sorts of things. It's really interesting to see how each of these very, very large, very well-established software companies talked about this because I think they all did a very good job, but you could see there was uh, a sense of newness about this, right? They didn't have years of data to fall back on. They didn't have established patterns. And it was interesting to see how they we're doing actually a little bit more projecting into what this could be rather than saying, well, we know that, you know, here's how all these things operate. So I thought it was very refreshing. And so these new areas that you're talking about, new competitors coming in, new types of talent, I think that's going to be so vibrant. So uh, one of those, the, those forcing functions that just says, Hey, we're, we're not just using the same old playbook here. This is wildly different. All of them were talking, Sean. We had a couple of questions in there about the ability then with these new solutions to offer more in the way of co-creation and co-innovation. Yep. And one of the things that Salesforce talked about in its presentation, they mentioned a, a Salesforce customer. They said a fairly traditional bank. They used some of Salesforce's tools. That bank then, in concert with Salesforce, created a new application that they wanted to sell to other banks. It it. Uh, generated such demand that they spun a company out of the bank called Encino that is yeah. now uh, offers banking software to other banks. So I, I think you're you're right on the mark. And Sean, could I come back and ask you about since you mentioned with United Healthcare and its software business, Optum, should Optum be on the industry cloud top ten? Well, so I think the question for Optum is, are you okay with an industry cloud where it's only one industry? Right. And, and actually, you could make the same argument. Encino is not at the scale of Optum, but it's a, you know, last I checked, Encino was about an $8 billion publicly traded company that's, that's got decent revenues that are, that are growing quickly. I suspect there's some amount of hedging on the Encino trades that, worst case scenario, Salesforce would acquire it to, to solve for their, their, banking and, and finance vertical, although I'd say that based on no inside information, just sort of looking from the outside in, that it's, that's a valuable enough industry and the sort of 
and Sino plus Salesforce offering is so strong together. When I talk to banks, they just rave about the document management and, and sort of workflow automation that Encino is able to add. So I, I suspect there's some some sort of floor in the price on that just based on that, although I, I don't know that for sure. But in, in Encino's case or Optum's case, you know, what you have in both those cases is is sort of one industry cloud, right? Now, those are two big industries. Healthcare in the United States is uh, an alarming percentage of yeah. overall GDP. And and finance in sort of the, the largest sense of the word is is not small either, right? So those are large industries that you could make the case the industry is so large that you can get there by yourself. When I look at the list though, and this is why I said, I think it's gonna have to be companies that are kind of multi-vertical. To me, the list is, is mostly um, companies who, where they have multiple different industry clouds. Like we can support people in this industry with this vertical solution and that industry with that vertical solution. And I think, you know, both Encino and Optum would be these companies that are, it's, it's really just one, um, but, but they're, they're massive players in it. I think when you think about companies who might replicate that playbook, the, but do it in a, in a, um, you know, across a number of different verticals there there's a lot of candidates who who aren't quite as developed as optum and encino are today but but could could run the same the same thing i also think there's a really interesting question when i look at that list which is how are the consulting firms gonna gonna react to all of this as well right because historically uh you know the big partner for a salesforce or an sap that helped verticalize it was, oh, we'll call up Accenture and they'll do the, yeah. they'll do. And so, so, you know, there's the, uh, uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but, but the other part of that is true as well, right? It'll be very interesting to see if, if some of those guys through, you know, productizing some of the services they're offering are able to create, create more standalone vertical clouds in an Optimer and Encino way. There's, so just, there's a lot of moving pieces on the chessboard right now. Uh, I think to quickly kind of punchy answer your question, I think I would not put Optum on the list today. Now, what's interesting, and I think if you, if I were, you know, Optum PR, which I'm not, but if I were working for Optum PR trying to convince Cloud Wars to put Optum on the list, I think the argument you might make is, well, they do have Optum Bank as well, which is mostly around healthcare payments, but that's the beginning of showing kind of a, a finance and a healthcare solution there so you could you can start to imagine a world where they make the case there but i think it's a it's a reach today i do think though in a couple of years uh, outside of the the uhg optum and the encino cases i think you're going to see some some people who is like wow i, I never would have thought of them as a technology company <laughs> you know and yet here they are today a technology company it's going to be really it's going to be a really fun uh couple of years of transformation it'll be i think that the list like the brilliance of the list is not just just the ranking, although that's that's helpful and fun. I think the brilliance of the list is it gives us data to quantitatively talk about some things that lots of people have been observing. And I think this lens of these people coming into it who we may not think of as tech companies uh, will be a, a, a fun part of that as well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sean. I, <clears throat> I think there, there's a lot to that. And just trying to raise the specter too that... Uh, for as 
successful and powerful and well-known and capable and wealthy as these big software companies are, right? Uh, you know, the Clayton Christensen thing of the innovator dilemma, you get stuck in just doing what you do and, and the fail to branch out. So it, it's why, Sean, I've been so struck by how rapidly all of those big tech companies, uh, you know, within probably six or nine months ago, there was some point in the middle of, you know, the pandemic 15 months that they all just said, hey, what we've done to get here is not going to get us there. And they pivoted right. uh, almost as a group remarkably fast. And we'll see how that comes up. I want to come back to that in a second, Sean. But first, a word from our sponsor, BMC. BMC wants to know, is your business on its A game? That's when systems are intelligent by learning from markets, where automation is paramount yet effortless, and when technology and people work as one in an enterprise. The A game is your business at its absolute best. BMC calls this the autonomous digital enterprise. Find out more at bmc.com slash A game. So Sean, one of those, uh, what you mentioned a minute ago about you know, a year or two from now could look at that list and say, wow, I had no idea that was a technology company. Well, um, Honeywell, they've got, you know, a pretty big, fast-growing part of the company called Honeywell Connected Enterprise. They've got within that, uh, I love the name of their cloud business there, the Honeywell Forge, you know, bringing the, some uh, language from the past into the future there. And they've even, they've become a sponsor of the Cloud Wars Minute Show because they want to demonstrate we're in this we are a very different sort of company this is just the beginning of what we're going to do so yeah these these big powerful capable industrial companies that have incredible domain expertise they build up the software capability those could be pretty viable competitors a hundred percent a hundred percent and i think those kind of industrial companies are absolutely uh the companies who have some incumbency advantage that may not be obvious and maybe the kind of things we've overlooked uh, for a while here. So I think that's absolutely, I think it's absolutely right. And it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a great, it's a great example um, for sure. Honey was a great example. Sean, uh, it's, I think it's not fair to put uh, people on the spot if they're, if they're not always on, you know, the, 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 the top of the world, the top of the game, you are <laughs> on top of the world, on top of your game. So I don't mind putting you on the spot at all. So as we are recording this, it's just before the end of June. So this episode will come out sometime around late June, early July, mid-year. Now you, you teased a little there with the, you know, one of your predictions that, you know, AWS will be spun out and we're, we're sticking with that one. I Anything am. you see here in the mid-year that you might want to have like Sean's predictions mid-year bonus? Uh, that's a great question. Um, so I, I do actually, I will say, I think there's some regulatory conversations happening. I mean, as recently as last night when we're recording this, that, that I think increased the probability of the AWS spin out happening. I actually think, though, that that's an unfortunate um, element of this for, for the long haul. And, and it's for the following reason. Um, you know, I have a, a, a friend who's a, who's a senior guy at Amazon. He, every year when the Quad Wars Live predictions come out, calls me afterwards and says, you know, you, you got to quit saying this, we're going to spin AWS stuff out. That's never going to happen. The regulators are are not going to win this. And and my reaction to him is, you're absolutely thinking about this the wrong way. 
Yes. Like I'm not saying the government, like, like I, I went to, to people, most people won't know this, but I went to Grove City College. Like I, I, I am a very fiscally conservative oriented person. I am not making the argument that like, you know, big government needs to step in and regulate big tech. I think that's kind of an absurd statement. I'm making the argument that the Amazon shareholders, the Amazon customers, and the Amazon employees would all be better off with Amazon as separate business, as separate businesses, not one big conglomerate. This is this has nothing to do with the regulatory argument. So they they are going to start to feel this pressure on the regulatory side, but I worry that's going to actually confuse the argument on oh, is this a is this a regulatory thing that we should be looking at? That's not what this is about. This is about making the Amazon shareholders wealthier, making the Amazon customers happier, making the Amazon employees more engaged and fulfilled, right? The, my favorite example of this is actually when you go back and you look at things like Rockefeller breaking up Standard Oil, he got significantly wealthier post-Standard Oil breaking up than before Standard Oil broke up, right? And, you know, Jeff and, and company at Amazon, like, I think they're all wealthier three years after the breakup than the incredible ride they've had the last three years. So I feel good about that prediction, but I think the, the point is not because of what might be happening in Washington, but because of what's happening in conference rooms across the, the country where companies are really needing to ask themselves, do I want to fund my largest competitor? It's a, it's a legitimate business strategy question that really shows in my mind that the parts are more valuable than the sum there. So would stick with, with that prediction um, for sure. I think that, uh, that the other thing that's going to be interesting as I kind of look into the, the back half of uh, 2021 and, and 2022 is I do think we're going to start to actually see a lot more innovation around healthcare. So it's been this sort of, for all the right reasons, and thank goodness, it's been this kind of strong push to change healthcare to support our response to the pandemic that's been incredibly important, right? Like, you know, the, the vaccine rollout is is nothing short of a of a miracle. And it's it's great yeah. that, you know, you know, we were able to go see my mother-in-law for the first time a, a week ago in a year and a half. And like that, that was that was incredible. Like so so that's awesome. And, and as sort of underlying some of that, we've, we've by necessity, it's, as kind of the mother of invention, we've done things like this, this explosion of, of telehealth. But I think what you're going to see over the next year is companies begin to really start to think about uh, wellness instead of sick care. Um, and I think things like things that have been kind of backburnered while the, the change has been enabled around people's behavior is going to be interesting. So, so I suspect you're going to see some healthcare uh, sort of ecosystem start to really embrace wearables, use that to provide different types of care than we've ever offered before. And I think, I think we, may, we may sort of look back even at the end of the year and start to see these, these, these products launching that are like, wow, that's a, a major push from a healthcare company that's much more around around wellness than than sick care i don't i haven't come up with like a punchy like easy to evaluate is that prediction true or false kind of 
thing yeah. yet because I wasn't really thinking about doing that today. But but I think you're going to see some stuff around that that's going to be interesting. Um, you know, sleep is I think going to be as important and as much in the conversation six months from now as you know, gym, fitness, and diet was over the last 10 years. Um, and, and what are people doing to optimize their sleep? So you're just going to see, I think, a lot of fun activity there. I'm excited about that. Um, I, I think, it, and I might get in a little bit of trouble. Uh, oh, go with, ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's me getting in trouble, but, but I'll just tell him Bob said it was fine. Um, I, you know, I think, uh, I think our MBA programs are in for uh, some surprises heading into to the fall. So I, I'm really excited. CMU is going to be, we're going to, you know, be much more to a back on campus type experience that this fall. And I think that's great. And I think for our undergraduates and for certain graduate programs, the on campus out of the classroom experience is a large part of what you get for when you go to college you know i know for me when i was on there were things that didn't happen in the classroom that were a huge part of of growing up from 18 to to, to 21 22 and i so i think that's really i think that's really important and there are certain graduate programs that i think are similar but i think for our mba programs i think what a lot of mba candidates have realized over the last year is you know what uh i can learn a lot in this in this sort of hybrid world. And by the way, if I do it the right way, I don't have to take two years out of the workforce to do it. So we have a program at, at Tupper, um, which is this online hybrid MBA program where students come to campus for a weekend every seven weeks, and then they do the rest of it over Zoom. And uh, you know, I think this fall will probably go, I suspect we'll go back to the same format. I'm not speaking on behalf of Carnegie Mellon, but just in general, I think you're going to see things like that happen. And what's going to be interesting, I think, is I, I think that's going to change higher ed for the long term. And, and I think what's happened is we've talked a lot over the last year, not just you and I, but lots of pundits have talked over the last year about education, but we tend to talk about it with this, you know, one paintbrush that everybody uses, right? And and the, the challenge with that is it's not the same thing. So as soon as it was safe for my nine and 10 year old to get back into a classroom, we got them back into a classroom because it turns out third and fourth grade are really lousy over Zoom. Like they're, they're just, uh, yeah. you know, even if you don't have third and fourth graders, as lousy as you think third and fourth grade Zoom is, it's lousier than you think it is. It is just not a good thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, high school similar, like, so, so we tend to say, oh, like, man, online education is terrible. No, online elementary education is terrible. Online high school is terrible for certain people who can afford the college experience that, that I had, uh, you know, online college is not as great as being on campus. Now, there's a lot of people who couldn't afford that type of four-year college experience that online might be more compelling, but that's a that's sort of a, a separate thing. But when you get to the graduate programs, I think I think a lot. I mean, this is just me speaking as me, um, and you know, the dean can send me an email about this later. But this is just me speaking as me. 
I think when you get to the master's level programs, you know, it wasn't that terrible overall. And I think what we'll see is continuing to, to iterate. Now, we probably want some in-person experience, which we weren't able to do, but this blended in-person online, I think is, is absolutely what you're going to see more and more of these MBA programs do. And I think you'll see, um, again, just me speaking as me, I think you'll see, you know, the majority of MBA programs in the next couple of years shift towards this more hybrid hybrid model. And there's a lot of buildings that have been built based on a different business model there. And so it's going to be interesting to see what that does to, to higher ed here. Well, Sean, great. Uh, uh, good on the spot, uh, you know, predictions, mid-year predictions. And, you know, why the heck shouldn't uh, university master's programs change, right? Everything else in the world is. And that, so I think that's good. Thanks for plugging that in there. And of all of our conversations about Amazon, I've never, ever, ever heard you mention any sort of government being behind you know your thinking on this it's opportunity it's growth innovation and you know rewards for people all of which are quite good so sean thanks for uh kicking open some really good ideas here about you know what's going on in industry cloud and how fast this is all changing plus the on the spot thing you you do really well on the on the spot stuff so without putting you without giving you any notice i think each each session we do going forward it will put you on the spot on something okay Perfect. but don't try to get <laughs> Perfect. That sounds great, Bob. Looking forward right. to it. Sean, thanks a million. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. Hope your summer's off to a great start. And uh, we will come back next time and we'll see what else we could make Sean squirm about a little bit. See you next time. Okay.